Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Sabina Stanley will join us to discuss Inside Planets. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, what's inside the planets? Joining us today to discuss this very fascinating issue is Dr. Sabina Stanley. Dr. Stanley is a distinguished planetary scientist and a key contributor to NASA's Mars InSight mission. She holds a PhD in Earth and Planetary Sciences from Harvard University and focuses on the complexities of planetary interiors. She is currently one of only 53 Bloomberg Distinguished Professors at Johns Hopkins University and has written numerous works on the subject and has penned the new book, What's Hidden Inside Planets? Dr. Stanley Thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Very happy to be here. What is inside a planet? I'm curious why I decide to put this book together. Yeah, great question. I think we're so used to, you know, staring up at the stars and being filled with wonder and thinking about, you know, what's out there. But I'm hoping that people kind of look down at their feet and start staring down and start asking the same questions about the deep interior of Earth and other planets. You know, what's happening down there? It's so amazing to think about all the processes that go on when you have pressures of millions of Earth atmospheres, temperatures of thousands of degrees, and materials doing everything from generating a dynamo that creates the magnetic field that surrounds us and protects us on Earth, to cycling of nutrients and carbon and water in the mantle that generates the very livable surface we have here. So it's really important that we understand what goes on inside planets because it affects our daily lives here on the surface. This most obvious, the stuff that's on the exterior, uh, the interiors are less known. Yeah, I think it's just harder to get information about the insides of planets. We can actually see further into the sun than we can see into our own planet. So it's not surprising in that sense that we haven't figured it all out yet. But there's some really cool techniques that people are using nowadays to try and understand what goes on inside Earth and the other planets. How can we figure out what's going on inside these planets? Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, when you've got an ache and you go to your doctor and you're like, I have this pain right here. They have a variety of techniques that they can use to try to figure out what's wrong with you. And hopefully their first instinct isn't to drill inside you to figure out, but they can, you know, use scans. They can use MRIs and CAT scans. And we have the same sort of thing for the Earth. So we can use fields like electromagnetism and gravity to probe what is going on deep inside our planet. One of my favorite methods is actually to use earthquakes on Earth. So for example, every time there's an earthquake, that sends seismic waves throughout the planet. And those seismic waves, they sample all of the material they travel through. And when they get to another side of the planet where they can be measured with seismometers, we can learn about the materials they've passed through. So we can do sort of a seismic imaging of the interior of Earth and some other planets now too. What kind of information can we get? What level of detail are we getting from this? Yeah, absolutely. So it turns out that the speed of the seismic wave is completely determined by the material properties of what it's passing through. So things like the density of the material and some other physical properties. So once you know something like 
oh, the density of the material was 3,000 kilograms per meter cubed here, then you can say, wow, that must have been this kind of rock and not like, say, iron metal or anything like that. So we can actually figure out the composition from those density measurements. And what emerged from looking at these types of data? So from the very beginning, so about 100 years ago, for example, we learned that Earth has an iron core and that the outer part of that core is liquid. So that was all determined from seismology. But more recently, uh, with more sophisticated techniques, we can even see when sort of a part of Earth's surface, a tectonic plate, when it descends into the Earth at a subduction zone, we can watch the dissension of that subduction zone to get all the way down to the core mantle boundary into a place called the slab graveyard, where like the surface of the Earth goes to kind of sit down until it cools down for, or until it heats up again and can come back to the surface. So we can really image some fine features in the deep interior. We've discovered new phases of rocks that we never see on the surface of the Earth. So the crystal structures of the rocks can change at high pressures and temperatures, and we can actually observe those from seismology. There's a lot of irregularities in terms of how the Earth is actually composed. Absolutely. If you blur your eyes a bit, yeah, we're a sphere, but there's all sorts of things that make us slightly bumpy, let's say, not perfectly spherical. And we can see those in things like seismic waves, but also in things like the gravity field. So when you walk around on the surface of the Earth, the amount of gravity that you experience is directly related to the mass that's under you. And there are small variations of that. So if you were to walk around the surface of the Earth, you would actually be feeling slightly different gravity accelerations as you walk around. And we can use that information to figure out what's kind of lumpy or, or not as smooth and uniform inside the Earth. What's surprised you the most as you've been studying what's hidden inside planets? So for me, it's just amazing to think about what happens to materials that we think we understand, right? Take something like hydrogen or helium, right? These are helium we're used to in putting in balloons and you're, when you go to the birthday thing and they rise and they're this gas. But you take helium and you subject it to the thousands of degrees of temperature and millions of atmospheric pressures that happen inside Jupiter or Saturn, for example, and suddenly the helium behaves completely differently. It's actually a helium rain that rains out of metallic hydrogen. Or in Neptune, you know, you take carbon that we're used to seeing, for example, as carbon dioxide here in the atmosphere of Earth. Deep inside Neptune, that carbon actually becomes a diamond sea with diamond icebergs floating on that sea. So it's just really amazing to think about what happens to materials at really high pressures and temperatures. Do we know much about all those extrasolar worlds? Yeah, absolutely. So now we have thousands of other worlds orbiting other stars out there that we can study. And from observations of things like the mass of those planets and the radii of the planets, we can get estimates of their densities. And that tells us something like, is this a gas giant planet like Jupiter, or is it a small rocky world like the Earth? But with JWST, the latest telescope, we're also going to be able to get great measurements of what their atmospheres are made of. So if some of these extrasolar planets have atmospheres, we can figure out the composition. Do they have carbon dioxide? Do they have oxygen? Do they have water vapor? And when you start finding out information like that, you start learning about whether the surface of the planet might be habitable to life and also what some of the processes are that must be happening deep inside those exoplanets. Because again, everything on the surface of the planet essentially is completely related to what's going on deeper inside. What has studying the interiors of planets taught us about the formation of our planet or planetary formation in general? So one very important thing is that the fact that we have these cores, these iron cores in, in, inside the Earth, we have an iron core and it generates our magnetic field. We've seen that on Mercury, the, Earth, the innermost planet in our solar system, it also has an iron core that generates a magnetic field. 
We know that Mars and our moon used to do it in the past, about 4 billion years ago, but don't do it today. And it turns out that that process where you generate a magnetic field, that magnetic field then surrounds the planet. So here on Earth, we have this wonderful magnetic field, and it shields us from high-energy particles that come from the sun. So the fact that we have a magnetic field shield us is actually quite important for our own lifestyles here on the surface of the Earth. And it's really amazing to think that, that this lovely barrier that we have, this shield surrounding us, is actually generated about 2,000 miles below our feet. It shifts every now and then too, right? Yes. So our magnetic field, absolutely. So the magnetic field is not constant. And we know from looking at the rocks on the surface of the Earth that in times in the past, our north magnetic pole has become our south magnetic pole and vice versa. We don't fully understand what causes these polarity flips, but we can actually see them in the rock record. And so some of the work that I do actually is to try to understand the dynamics, what goes on, how do these magnetic fields change in time and what's causing all these, these cool flips of the field. You want to kind of think of it like any sort of complex process where there's, it could be in a lot of different states, right? Like imagine the climate, for example, a lot of the same physics that governs climate govern or weather also governs the interior of the earth where the where the dynamo is generated where the earth's magnetic field is generated so for example on some days you know it might be rainy on other days it might be cloudy sometimes we have percentage chances of those and it's a similar sort of thing in the interior of the earth some days the field might be more variable and and subject to possibly reverse that could be like being in a state where the weather's very rainy for a while and other days it might be very dry right so there's just different states depending on what's going on in the system. And for the Earth's core, some of those states like the magnetic field to be flipped and some of them don't. And we're, we're not at the point where we can actually predict when one of these flips can occur, but we can start observing them and seeing whether or not one might be imminent or not. Part of NASA's Mars InSight mission, what have you learned from this involvement and giving you insight into what's going on inside the Earth and other planets? So the Mars InSight mission was the first time that a lander on another planet put a seismometer on the surface of another planet and was able to measure quakes on another planet. So Mars quakes on Mars are generated from a variety of different sources. Sometimes there are tectonic shifts in the surface. Sometimes there are impacts that hit Mars and create Mars quakes that we can measure with insight. So from all those measurements of Mars quakes from InSight, we were actually able to image the interior of Mars and figure out things like how big the iron core on Mars is. That actually ended up being quite a surprise. The iron core is a little bit bigger than we thought it was going to be. And because of that, it actually tells us that some of the building blocks of planets really in the solar system, including Earth, had a little bit of a different composition than we initially thought. So we're all trying to figure out what the exact composition of all these building blocks, these ingredients for the planets were, and the InSight mission is really helping us with that. It's putting similar types of probes elsewhere in, in the solar system. Absolutely. I think the more seismometers on planets, the better. The next one that I'm excited about is the Dragonfly mission, which is scheduled to go to a moon of Saturn called Titan. So this mission, scheduled to launch sometime in the 2030s, would actually land on the surface of Titan and also do seismology on Titan. So look for Titan quakes, I guess, and see what's going on there. Are there any emerging trends or research avenues cognizant of? Yeah, I think it's really amazing in planetary science that every time we send a mission to another planet, we basically completely rewrite the textbooks about that planet. So we're getting so much data now, for example, from the Juno mission, which is at Jupiter, studying Jupiter and its moons. 
the Artemis missions, which are going to send more spacecraft back to the moon, our own moon, to learn more about our nearest neighbor, upcoming Venus missions. So every time we send a new mission out there, we get all of this amazing data that completely put changes our perspectives on how Earth works, how planets work. And so I think it's going to be very exciting in the near future. Where would you like to send uh, one of these missions or probes? Oh, gosh, great question. So in my heart, one of the planets that I started studying were the ice giants of our solar system. That's Uranus and Neptune in the outer solar system. They're our farthest planets. And the last time we visited them was in the early 1980s with the Voyager 2 mission. And the Voyager 2 mission basically just flew by the planets very quickly and took some data. So it's time to go back there and get some like orbiting data, really close data of what's going on in the two very water-rich planets in our solar system. So NASA has as one of its priorities in the next decade to send an orbiter to Uranus. We hope that happens. And there's going to be a lot of really interesting science done if that's possible. People want to learn more about your work or what's hidden inside planets. Where can they go? So my book, What's Hidden Inside Planets, can be found at your local books dealer or online uh, at Amazon or Johns Hopkins University Press. And I try to kind of give everyone an interesting flavor of all the different kinds of things that can happen deep inside planets there. So I, I recommend that. We were just talking with Dr. Sabina Stanley. She has penned the new book, What's Hidden Inside Planets. Dr. Stanley, thank you so much for joining us today on The Grok Science Show. Thanks so much. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.
Thank you.